Hey RCC family, welcome back online. We're so pumped that you decided to be here with us today. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and the little bell to be notified when new videos are released here. We know a lot of you watch right here online what RCC has going on, but the best way for you to stay connected is to fill out a red card. You can find a link in the description box below. Also, if you have not already, check out our Facebook page and our Instagram page because we have stuff going on all week long. The last two weeks we've done a cleanup out at the parks and that was really fun. So stay tuned, follow our pages so you can get involved right here in your community. Have the best day. See you later. Welcome to RCC at Home. My name is Erica and I am one of the pastors here. Today we are going to continue our Cancel Culture series and we're going to continue in the book of Colossians chapter 3. And today we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17. Now, before I start, I just want to tell you that I've written this message using two different translations of the Bible. Now, some people think that there are different versions of the Bible, but there actually isn't. There's only one. People have translated this one version from Greek to Hebrew into English and, and many other languages. And some translations focus on getting each individual word exactly correct, while others try to translate in such a way that it's easiest to read, but while also remaining accurate. So simply put, different readers have different preferences. For me, when I am writing a message or studying scripture, I'll usually look at three or four translations and once in a while, one will resonate with me more than another. Here at RCC, we typically use the NLT or the New Living Translation, which is one of the two I'm using today. But once in a while, we will use other translations as well. They are both available, available to you to look at today on rccsunday.com if you would like to follow along with us. So this message from Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to read it to you today from the message. And it says this. So... Chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment and never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with one another. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, his message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, your words, your actions, whatever, be done in the name of our Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Now, I don't know about you, but I love these verses. I love them for a few reasons, but one of the most important ones for me is they are completely self-explanatory. There's really not much to understand here. They're easy to read. They're easy to understand. But are they easy to put into practice? 
Are they easy to make a part of who we are each and every day in each and every circumstance? You see, Jesus, he didn't just tell us what to believe. He lived his message. His words matched his actions, and we are called to do the same. So as you sit here today and as you hear this message and we read from the word, is this true for you? You know, Jesus, he didn't just proclaim the truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't just show us the way. He said, I am the way. Following Jesus is not just taking things in and believing in them, but following Jesus is taking things in, believing in them, relating to Jesus. But more importantly, it's becoming what you believe. In a world, a lot of times, this world, we want checklists. We want lists to be able to check off. Are we doing the right thing? But Jesus gives us himself. These verses are kind of a checklist of sorts for us. But we live in a world that says, what have you done for me? And Jesus says, look what I have already done for you. So if this is true, then there is a new way to live. This book of Colossians, Paul is talking to people who already are Christians. Once you believe in him, once you ask him into your life and into your heart, you're a part of his family. You're a part of his legacy. And these give, verses give the followers back then and us as followers today a new way to live. And it starts off by saying, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you, as you sit here today, you are chosen, you are holy, and you are loved. I don't know about you, but if you just close your eyes for a second and say that to yourself, I am chosen, I am holy, I am loved. Do we really feel this way? How can we be sure? We can be sure because Jesus is these things. Jesus is the chosen one of God. Jesus is the holy one of God. Jesus is the one supremely loved by God. You see, you become these things because Jesus is these things. If it is true of the father's relationship with his son, then it is true of your father's relationship with you. This verse says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Now, I just need to pause here for a second because... Can we just talk about the clothing fads for a second? Have you seen the styles lately? For me, like, I honestly can't even find a whole shirt. It seems most of them are missing the bottoms. And this mom jean fad, I'm sorry to tell you, but it is a total insult. Am I back in high school? Because my kids look like me and my friends did with their white sneakers and their high-waisted baggy jeans and the oversized flannels. And guys, I seriously saw a girl the other day with the fold-down lace socks. Oh, Lord help us. The good news, the good news about all of this is that clothing fads, they fade. Thank the Lord. Our outward clothing styles, they change and they change often. But what this verse is talking about is our inward clothes, our inward attributes, our inward disciplines. These haven't changed because what was in style in the first century is still in style now in the 21st century, in fact. It will be and will continue to be in style any place and any time. It says this, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These must be important because they're told also again 
in Galatians 5 when we're taught about the fruits of the Spirit. Now, compassion and kindness, for me, they go hand in hand. You won't be kind if you're lacking compassion. This I know. There's a woman here at church. She honestly is the kindest, most compassionate, gentle, and loving person I've ever met. She truly embodies this verse. She has walked alongside me, supported me, encouraged me, never judged, never condemned, and only loved. She embodies this verse. Have you had these moments in life where you're, you, you know that you're truly compassionate? You know, it's not about like being superficially polite and friendly, but truly compassionate. It's, it's like more than saying, I'm going to pray for you. It's saying, I'm going to pray for you and doing it right then and there. And then you do it the next day and the next day, and then you check in. You bring meals, you walk alongside, you support, and you encourage. I don't know about you, but for me, it's in these moments, in these circumstances, that I have felt my true self becoming the love that I share with other people. And these moments that my personal identity, me being Erica Leonard, isn't the one doing the loving, but it's Jesus, and he's working in me and through me. You know, we should be doing things for people not because of who they are or what we're going to get in return, but because of who you are. But more importantly, whose you are. Humility. Humility is the discipline of putting others ahead of yourself. The choice to value others above yourself is, at its core, a matter of faith. There was a time in the Bible when Jesus when his disciples were walking and talking and they were discussing and kind of arguing among themselves who was the greatest. Jesus asked him about this conversation and, and here was his reply. It's found in Mark chapter 9. It says, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And Jesus says this very similarly again in Mark chapter 10. You see, the more I and the more you, the more we understand and appreciate and are, and are grateful for the price Jesus paid, the less room our pride has, the less our egos will control our lives, the more we can comprehend how Christ humbled himself and served you and served me, the more we're going to be able to put others' needs before our own and serve them happily and with joy. These verses continue. It says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, it seems to me that we've talked about forgiveness a lot lately. Frankly, as I was preparing for this message, I was like, God, seriously, haven't we talked about this enough? But it keeps coming up over and over again in the Bible. And so to me, its importance is really clear. So if you're out there today and you're listening, um, are you struggling to forgive someone in your life? Because this is something we can't miss. In this verse, there's a very important set of words. You must. There is nothing not to understand here. Forgive anyone who offends you. I know this is hard. Because... Peace and love and forgiveness, these are all amazing ideas that we applaud and we think they're great until we're the ones that have to give it. So what do you do or what have you done when someone has hurt you? I mean really hurt you, like stolen or betrayed or lied or physically 
hurt you. Now, forgiveness, I, I know it doesn't come quickly or easily a lot of the time, but according to God's word, we don't have a choice. Because you see, forgiveness, it's not for them. It's for you. For the honor and, and the respect that you are paying to God, your Father, because I can tell you, having unforgiveness in your heart, it hurts only one. And that's you. It hurts you and it hurts your relationship with your Father. For me, forgiving the person who hurt me the most in my life in the most horrific of ways, when I was able to finally do that, it gave me back the power that was stolen from me. I was allowing that person to have power and control over my life. And, and being able to finally let go and forgive, it helped me heal. And it really set me free. And it can do the same for you too. How do you know? Like, How do you know if you've forgiven someone? I think it's a few things. I think first it's, you know, you can't have any thoughts of revenge. That's for sure. And you don't want harm or you don't want negative things in that other person's life. For me, I know that I've forgiven when I genuinely want good for them. And if it's possible or wise for you, or if you have a desire, I would encourage you to seek reconciliation too. Because here's the truth, you and me, when we believe in Jesus, we have the power of Christ. He lives inside of us. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. And it's this power, this power that you can use to help you forgive. The Lord forgives you, so you must forgive others. So as we talk about all these virtues, what do they all have in common? They are all manifestations of love. Because to love someone is to be compassionate, to love is to be truthful, to love is to be humble and kind and gentle and patient. And if we can understand love and we can put it into practice, all these other traits, they're naturally going to come alongside of it. If you're sitting here today and you're looking at these traits and, and you're seeing a lack in some of them in, in areas of your life, it's okay. We all are lacking in some ways and we're all works in progress. But be aware of them. That's the first step. Ask God right here and right now to help you where you're lacking. Help you in your impatience. Talk to God. If you have selfishness in your life, talk to God. If you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, talk to God. Love, it's the highest virtue because it binds all of these other ones together. The entire Bible all the laws of the Lord can be summed up in one verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In Colossians, it says, Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Huh. It sounds pretty lovely, doesn't it? Love should bind all of us together in perfect harmony. I love Jesus, but honestly... Sometimes his followers, they give me a major headache. Christians as a whole, we are losing our influence in our culture, and it's not even a mystery as to why. I said this in a sermon I gave a few weeks ago, and I think it needs to be repeated. A lot of people are leaving Christianity, but it's not because they're stopping their belief in Jesus. 
They're leaving because they believe in the teachings of Jesus so much that they can't stomach being a part of an institution or a group of people that claim to be about that. But their actions and words clearly say otherwise. If we, as Christians, you and me, are inhibiting others from finding Jesus because of our actions, our words, our judgments, or our lives, then we need help. We need serious help. Look at what Jesus said. He said it specifically to the church people at his time. The church people at that time, Jesus, they were called Pharisees. Here's what he says. I've had it with you. You're hopeless, you religion scholars, you Pharisees, frauds. Your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to enter and won't let anyone else in either. Think about that verse for a second. For me, it really hits home. Being a Christian since I was a kid and now being a pastor, I constantly ask myself and God, am I making it easy for people to know God? Or am I making it harder? Is my life a true representation of his love? Now, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I've made a bazillion mistakes, and I know you have too, but I'll tell you one thing. One thing I know for sure, that my life is a true representation of God's grace. And I just can't help but think as I read this verse, if God was here today, would he be saying that to any of us? You refuse to enter and won't let anyone else in. Your lives are roadblocks to my kingdom. Because, guys, if, if the world begins rejecting Christians, that means they're rejecting Jesus. And if this doesn't make you want to throw your hands in the air and cry and scream and change, then my goodness, we've missed the point. Jesus says, everyone will recognize you're my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Complete unity. John 17 says, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Colossians says it similarly. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you and live in peace. Or clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. There is a clear correlation between how we treat each other and how a watching world feels about Jesus. The truth is, sometimes life is complicated and life is just plain hard. Do you know how many times I've wrestled with the Bible and theology and talking with other people and I just throw my hands in the air sometimes and I say, okay, God, I don't think I'm going to understand this until I meet you face to face. Me, I want to follow Jesus perfectly. As your pastor, I want to be the best example of his love to you and for you. As a mother, I want to be that same way to my kids. As a friend, I want to be that same way to my friends. And even to strangers, I want to be the best example of Jesus' love. But sometimes I'm conflicted, sometimes I am frustrated, and sometimes I am way more human than people are comfortable with. But here's the irony. We all are, aren't we? A lot of times we think other people are walking around self-assured, living these carefree lives, and, and, and we walk around in our messes, but everyone's walking around in a mess. We see it all over the Bible, messy people, people who doubt. I have it sometimes, and I know you do too. 
life, it can be filled with a lot of things. Confusion, regret, uncertainty, failures. But if you look under the surface of each one of us and each one of our lives, you're going to see that we are all connected. This piece of scripture, I've wrestled with it all week. We've heard this. We, we know the virtues we have to have, but are we doing them? Kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. It's so much more than knowing. It's doing. The command here is to change, to be more like Jesus. And here is a list of how we can. Don't let this be another message that you hear today and you forget by tomorrow. This matters and we have to see the connection. The, the, the connection that all of us have. The connection that in our fragile places, the change will start when we stop being fake. When we can drop the fakeness and be our real, authentic selves. Imagine the help we could give one another. Imagine the unity we could live in that would actually be clothed in love. In my experience, when someone tells me the truth about themselves, they become safe for me. And you know what happens? I'm drawn to them. If you've ever told me the truth about your life, I'm drawn to you because your vulnerability, it makes a path for my own. Your truth-telling says to me, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to despise you or abandon you. And as crazy as it sounds, it gives me the courage to be afraid, but also the strength to be weak. Telling the truth about our lives is hard, and, and I don't think you should tell it to everybody because people can be really horrible sometimes. And people judge and they talk behind your back, and a lot of times they don't understand. But with Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Telling the truth leads to life. It leads to freedom, but the most important part of this is telling the truth leads to Jesus because when you drag your scariest truth into the light and you tell a brother or a sister with every I am here or I've been there or you're not alone or God's got this, God's got you, your scary truth becomes less terrifying and less overwhelming. And it's this kind of authenticity with one another as a church family this creates a sincere community for which the world is starving for. I'm starving for, and I imagine you may be too. Because we live in a world that is filled with fake, artificial, pretend, and superficial. But we, as Christians, we have what it takes to nourish our starving hearts. We have each other, and we have Jesus. Loved people, loved people forgive and encourage. They serve and they uplift. They know and they live in the love that God has given them. And living in this love makes you crazy kind. You cannot help to be. We are a family. We are adopted by God, by our belief in Jesus. And as a family, we should have each other's backs. We care for each other when we're sick. We stand by one another in spite of our mistakes and our bad decisions. Now, of course, as in every family, there are matters to work out sometimes. And I'm not standing here suggesting that we don't have difficult conversations with one another or ignore a brother or a sister when they're heading in a dangerous direction. Colossians 3 tells us this, teach and counsel one another with all the wisdom he gives. We must teach and lead each other, but it should be faithful, loving work between real life companions who are being our authentic selves. And when we do that, we've earned the right to speak with truth. Let's be a family. Let's be a church family where our community sees us with wide open arms.
A church family that confronts and welcomes and seems determined to build each other up. We should be grabbing hands, guys. We should be throwing our heads back and laughing out loud that God saved us all because we are a hot mess. But he loves us anyway. Colossians continues on and it says, always be thankful. If you need to, make a list every day. Five new things every single day to remind you of all the things you're thankful for. Because I assure you, there's a lot more than you can ever write down. So can I and can you, can we really just love like Jesus and the world will know? Following Jesus isn't just taking things in and believing them. Following Jesus is relating to and becoming what you believe. You don't do these things to be loved because you are already there. You're already loved. And this is why you do these things. And maybe, just maybe, we've been so consumed with what we don't have or what we want that we have forgotten all that he has provided. The ending of this verse says, Sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, your words, your actions, whatever, be done in the name of our Master Jesus, thanking God every step of the way. As you leave here today, go on with your business, do whatever it is you're about to do. Remember these things. Would you please pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son, for his sacrifice, for the way he came to serve each and every one of us. Help these verses today, Lord, get engraved in who we are. Help them become a part of our entire being so that people can look at us and they can see you, that they can want to know more about the God that we serve because our lives are a reflection of your love. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Corinthians 9.6 says that God loves a cheerful giver. It goes on to say that when you are generous with others, he will be generous with you. When we look at all that God has given us like it's, like it's a gift, it, it changes the way we see what we have. It can actually then be a joy to give it back to him because we're grateful for what he's given to us. You also need to know that when you're generous with your finances here at RCC, you're not only honoring God, but you're also helping to support the mission and ministries of RCC. The easiest way for you to give would be to simply visit rccsunday.com. From, from there, you can set up a reoccurring gift. It can be weekly or monthly. It can be through your bank account or a debit card or a credit card. Also, feel free to drop off a check at our downtown location at 155 State Street. There's a mail slot in the front entrance and you can drop it off right there. Keep up the awesome work and remember to be the church this week.